Friends, our scripture today comes to us from John chapter 18, verses 28 through 38. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Then the religious authorities took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves didn't enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your own law. And the crowd replied, We aren't permitted to put anyone to death. Then Pilate entered again into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom isn't from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be here fighting to keep me from being handed over to the crowds. But as it is, my kingdom isn't from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say I'm a king, but for this I was born and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the crowd again and told them, I find no case against him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Most gracious God, who in Jesus of Nazareth showed us an alternative to the kings, queens, and emperors of history, help us to revere and emulate Jesus' leadership, to love and to seek justice for all people. Help us to recognize the true grandeur and life-changing power based in loving you and all our neighbors. In Christ Jesus, with you and the Holy Spirit, may we co-create a world ruled not through domination, but ruled in that radical and all-powerful compassion and love. Amen. Today we celebrate Christ the King Sunday. It's the last Sunday in the liturgical year, and I think this is such a funny story to include when we celebrate Jesus as king. The author of an action story or a film might call this scene between Jesus and Pilate the hero at the mercy of a villain scene. It's the standard scene in a book or film where we are left wondering if there's any hope at all left for our protagonist. So why Jesus at the mercy of the villain on a day when we celebrate him as king? I don't know. He's going to be sentenced to death. 
He's going to die on the cross. And this is the image of a king that we're left with. The one who is weak, vulnerable, powerless. Our king is just another disposable body in the eyes of the high priest and Pilate. You know, I learned recently that babies have um, a really hard time when they first learn to stand. You've seen a baby, right? They kind of reach up and they grab things, especially when they're learning to stand and learning to walk. What they'll do is they'll reach and they'll cling to something really tightly, and they'll kind of look around and they see the lights and they see everything that's above them, and then soon their legs start to wobble, (laughs) and they don't know how to let go. They don't know how to drop from here and then squat back down. They learn first to reach and grasp and cling. And so sometimes they get caught holding on really, really tightly and feeling like they have nowhere to go. And I get it. Don't you? I still have a hard time letting go of things. I cling to my ego. I cling to my own definitions of success. I cling to everything I desire. Comfort, identity, my past. Jesus only arrives at Pilate's door after he has insulted the high priest. And this, is a, this is a really great story uh, that you could tell at a party sometime, maybe. So the high priest is questioning Jesus' doctrine and teaching because many of the religious authorities are really, really upset at Jesus. It's, it's so controversial what he's saying about loving your neighbor and being kind to those around you and challenging the authorities and so as he grows in popularity and influence he continues to draw these large crowds and this creates a problem so the high priest finally has jesus arrested and brings him in for questioning this is my favorite part the way he questions jesus's doctrine and teaching is by asking jesus to repeat to him what he said to the crowds And maybe he asks that because he's trying to trap Jesus and get him to confess and admit to something that he's done. Or maybe he's just a little dim and hasn't taken the time to actually listen to what Jesus is saying. In any case, Jesus quips back, look, everything I said, I said in public, so go ask those I taught what I said, and I'm sure that they'll tell you. And apparently this is very offensive to the high priest, so much so that in a wonderful show of toxic masculinity, one of the high priest's heavies punches Jesus right in his face. Then the high priest sends Jesus to Pilate. And this is his way of saying, now you're going to die. In one translation, it says that Jesus is led from the high priest into the halls of judgment. 
And I really like that image, the halls of judgment. Jesus has been led into the halls of judgment where he will be tried, and we get to see if he's true to his way and his teachings and his doctrines. We get to see if he's true to it even in the face of death. And what's so interesting to me about these halls of judgment is that the mob of Jesus' accusers are afraid to even step inside. They know that they will be defiled if they do. So they drop Jesus at the doorstep and then demand that Pilate come and speak to them about this criminal. What accusations do you bring against this man? Pilate asks. And the mob answers, look, if he hadn't done something wrong, we wouldn't have brought him here. Which is a great specific response. You can imagine Pilate saying back to them, so what are the charges? And the crowd is like, look, we told you he did something. Punish him. Since they won't tell him the crimes, Pilate tells them to judge Jesus according to their own laws. And then they confess Jesus' sin or what they think is Jesus' sin. He's done something or many things that deserve the cross. The Roman device of torture reserved for anyone who threatened the law and order of Rome. We can't kill him, they say. It's not lawful. Or we would have, they might have added. A few years ago, I helped Sarah's mother move from her longtime condo into assisted living. This is a really difficult process for her, for the whole family, for all of us. She had to do a ton of downsizing, a lot of letting go, a lot of giving away, a lot of selling things that she didn't want to sell, a lot of trashing things that she felt was worthy to be kept and cherished. She wasn't ready to move. And I don't blame her. Who would be? When I get to that point, if my daughter comes to me and says, hey, you got to move out of here, you got to go into assisted living, I know I'm going to go kicking and screaming. We're never fully prepared to let go of what we have. And so as we're swimming through these boxes of memories in Sarah's mother's basement, I came across this really mysterious box. It was labeled Sarah's Accolades. And so I opened it. Inside, I found a bunch of old cross-country trophies, ribbons, plaques, all of these awards. And it, I mean, it was a big box. This was not a small box. And, and I saw these newspaper clippings and, and all of these things. And I had no idea the person that I had been married to <laughs> was this great of a runner. Like, I, I knew she ran because we had done half marathons together. You know, we, one of our interests, the way we came to know each other was through running and the love of running. So I knew, but I didn't know. And so when I asked her when she stopped running and why she never really talked about how great she was, because <laughs> I would have done that, <laughs> which is maybe why I wasn't that great at running, <laughs> she told me she gave it all up to become a ballerina. And she had to. 
For those of you that don't know, she was a professional ballerina in a different life. This was such a strange choice to me because cross-country could have paid for college, right? She was good enough for that. And it was even stranger because I know she had to pay to be a ballerina. (laughs) College led to nice jobs and comfort, security. Ballet led to early retirements and sometimes sudden career changes. And let me say again, she had to pay to become a ballerina. But she really loved ballet. Like really, really loved it. She was willing to let go of comfort and career advancement and everything, really. It required everything of her. But the letting go of cross-country, she told me, and her running career didn't feel much like you would think a sacrifice should feel. She told me it felt more like falling in love, more like walking with God. She had no problem at all giving it up because giving it up was actually a good thing. It was embracing something new. That afternoon, as we were sorting through the boxes in her mother's basement, she glanced through that box of trophies and ribbons and plaques, and then she looked at me and she said, just go throw it all away. And so I did. And I think it hurt me more than it hurt her. Besides that one box, the condo was packed almost to the roof with memories, pictures. We spent a lot of time that week patiently waiting for Sarah's mother to work through all of those things, all of the reminders of the moments she had lived. And she would tell us either to keep this or throw that out. And I'll tell you, she didn't often say, toss it. She didn't want to let go of the past. She wanted to go back to the past, in fact. Or maybe she wanted to carry it all with her into the future. She didn't want to let go. And I remember feeling a little bit annoyed in the moment because, one, I wanted to be done moving all of these boxes and just get on with life, but also I wanted her to thrive. I wanted her to live again. I wanted her to live the life that I knew she could live. What was it that Jesus said earlier in the Gospel of John? I came that you may have life and life to the full. And I think that's what I wanted for her too. So here's Jesus in the halls of judgment being questioned by the ultimate authority of the land, the governor of a Roman province. Are you their king, Pilate asks him. Are you asking for yourself or because you already know the answer, Jesus wonders. And Pilate gets a little bit frustrated at this point. Look, I'm not part of your people, am I, he says. They brought me to you and haven't told me what you've done, so tell me, what are you doing here? I don't have time for this. My kingdom isn't from this world, Jesus said. 
If my kingdom were from this world, there would be people in here right now fighting to keep me alive and away from the mobs. But my kingdom is not from here. So, Pilate says, you are a king then? That's right, Jesus says, I'm a king. But this is why I was really born and why I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. And then Pilate, in what Friedrich Nietzsche called one of the all-time witticisms in human history, says to Jesus, what is truth? It's a great question. What is truth? The truth, according to Pilate in this moment, is that he needs to protect himself from starting a series of protests which might threaten his livelihood and rank. The last thing he needs is more looting and rioting in the streets. He needs to uphold law and order, not because it's the right thing to do, but because he's protecting his image. This is all about maintaining his position. He needs to look good. No uprisings and no nonsense inside the bounds of his province so that Caesar can see that he's a good little soldier. So that maybe one day he can be promoted to a higher rank. So that maybe then he can earn more and more money. So that then he can have more power and more control and more people at his disposal. So that then, if he does well, he can have more of everything. And perhaps conquer the world. The truth, according to Jesus, is, well, how do we say this? Jesus is kind of the only person on earth who isn't desperately trying to save his own life, clinging to what he could be, holding on to his past experiences as if they may one day be reproduced. Jesus is just being there. He's just there with Pilate. And he's experiencing what's happening, and I'm sure, we're not told this, but I'm sure he's praying that Pilate has a change of heart. I'm sure he's praying that justice prevails, that all goes well. But he's not asking for his followers to storm that government building like a mob ready to seize control. He's not asking God to strike them down with angel armies, and he's not begging to save his own life. He's accepting it. He's accepting this as the way. He understands that in order to live, we have to die. That if you want to go up, you got to go down. That it's okay to let go of things because that might be the only way to keep them. 
I like to think that Jesus dreamed that Pilate would give up his title, his position, his power, his wealth, his rank, if only he would believe. But he doesn't. And so Jesus continues to go the way of a godly king, the king who gives up power and authority, the one who shares his life and offers it. Christ the King Sunday reminds us that the conventional wisdom of our Western world, more is always better, getting and keeping is better than letting go. We are reminded today that this is not the wisdom of God. With God, we let go to gain. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know that when we hold on to too many things too tightly, we don't have room for anything new. It's like the couple that invited a friend to rent out one of the rooms in their house, and when the friend arrived to settle into the room, they found that it was packed with boxes so that there was no room to even set down her bags. How can I be invited to stay here, she asked, if there isn't any room for me? If you've ever wanted to make a big change in your life and found it difficult, it's probably because to introduce something new to create true and lasting change, you got to let go of those old habits and raise up something new. And that is difficult, yes. But I think it's made more difficult if we haven't asked God to help us see and imagine what could happen next. It's difficult if we haven't looked forward to what's coming and instead dwell on what was. It's difficult if we're unable to see what we could become and create if we only asked and opened our arms ready to receive. When Pilate goes back out to the crowd gathered there at his doorstep, he tells them that he finds no case against Jesus. He's innocent. But one thing led to another, and soon Roman soldiers were almost lazily leading our King Jesus away to be executed with all the other criminals, except Barabbas, the murderer who organized insurrections. And so Pilate, clinging to all of his power, and position, releases the one that is seeking to topple him, and then murders the one who came to save him. Let us pray. Good and loving God, would you open the eyes of our hearts? Would you give us your wisdom? and your courage to let go of those things that we need to let go of and to embrace the future that you are creating. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.